Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Hi guys, welcome back. It's episode 22. I actually know what episode it is because I've written that in the notes today. The last two I've been like, I don't know. Sorry guys, but it's episode 22. Thanks for coming back. I hope you are all keeping well, especially if you are pregnant for the first time. How exciting. Um, As my I'm so lucky to have her. Charlotte is back with us, our ex-midwife. Hi, Charlotte. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm good. We've literally just talked for 10 minutes. Um, so I might chuck some of that chat back in at some point because I <laughs> feel some of it might be relevant or it might just come up naturally. Um, but Charlotte's actually an accountant and we were just talking about how hellish January is for accountants and also how busy it usually is for um, coaches and trainers in January being sort of prime time for people to want to get in shape and things so we're equally both tired um (laughs) but but coming to the end of things now so there's a light right there's a light definitely is I also am not as physically tired as you because I'm not pregnant yeah about to have a baby I mean, yeah, so let's jump on that. I suppose that's important. I'm 39 plus four days, so I am due. So close. I know, it's insane. Today we are recording, it is Wednesday, and I am due in three days on Saturday. However, as as I keep saying to everybody, since the moment that we found out that we were pregnant, um, I'm fairly confident in my workings out of um, ovulation, conception, etc. That my due date is probably about a week early, and what my dates say. And when I speak to other mums, and they say, "Yeah, I did the same," um, especially if they've had children previously or they've had a first child, their dates correspond much more appropriately to when their baby comes. So I think if that's the case, then potentially by the end of next week. I might be a mummy. Yay, it's so exciting. I definitely think it's better for you to have the mindset that you've got at the moment in the sense that you're expecting the baby to come a little bit late. Absolutely. Because I feel like if you're expecting the baby to come early or on time, essentially, mm-hmm. you kind of, you're setting yourself up for potentially quite a long wait. Uh, absolutely. And this is something that I really, truly don't understand why women get so hung up on this date. Now, it's like anything, yeah. right? We anticipate Christmas, we anticipate our wedding day, you know, all of these things. And we get really set on that date. And it might be because it helps us work towards that goal for whatever reason, financially, you know, with lifestyle changes, etc. But when it comes to pregnancy, I think something that is truly not talked about enough is how due dates are essentially created and it's not even really a medical thing um 
So it seems a bit far-fetched for everybody to get so hung up on that date and even friends of mine that I would say are very intelligent and work medically and you know all of these things they're all like oh it's only days away and I'm like that doesn't mean I'm gonna have the baby five percent of people give birth on their dupe date that is absolutely nothing the number of people that have babies every single day um I think you are just setting yourself up for disappointment so yeah let this be my immediate um, advice to any new mums out there to be, please don't get set on that date. Remember, it is an estimate. 5% of women give birth on their due date, or I think it's within four days of. So still 5% yeah. is nothing. Still low. And is it true? Um, we may have said this before, but to reaffirm the fact that if you are, it's your first, the likelihood of it is that you will be late. Sadly, sadly, that is the case mm. for, for most women. First babies keep waiting a bit longer. And this, I'm not asking for facts, but do you know why that is? Because I don't have a clue. I think some of it is because it takes the body longer to get ready to go into labour when you're, it's your first baby. Mm-hmm. Um your like your cervix when you're when you've been pregnant before and had a baby before it sits it doesn't ever go closed closed Mm -hmm. like it did pre pre first baby so that always sits open a little bit more and once your body's done it once kind of not necessarily like riding a bike but once your body's done it once the muscle memory yeah it knows what to do so sort of once you start going into labor with the second baby your body kind of goes oh done this before know what to do whereas Mm -hmm. with your first baby it's a lot longer process and yeah the way the cervix changes tends to happen quite slowly and quite um methodically I guess um like it sits quite far back so it has to come forward Mm -hmm. it then has to shorten and get softer and then it opens whereas with second babies it tends to just kind of do it all at once. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is absolutely, it's got to be why. I was just sort of yeah. thinking scientifically, is there any proof? I'm sure there is. I just haven't read for a change. I actually probably, haven't researched it. There's probably research that to confirm that it is a it is a thing that first babies tend to take longer. I don't know if there would be a, a I think, reason. I think than... it's got to be what you've just said. It's got yeah. to be something around... Um, you know, this muscle has never worked in this way before. It's learnt, yeah, it's definitely. essentially doing something that it's never done. Um, so the process of your body preparing for labour, it's not It's not like when you first, like you say, I know it's ridiculous and such a cheesy cliche, but riding a bike for the first time or learning to drive for the first time, these things just don't happen naturally, cognitively. Yeah. We have to process and practice. So... Our, our cervix is a muscle um our uterus contains many muscles that we need to our body's never used in this way before so there's got to be things around that but yeah. on that note this is just something that's come to my mind and something that I don't think that I've shared and considering this whole um the whole sort of reason for this podcast is relating to reassuring and encouraging people to train throughout their pregnancies Something that um, I've been talking a lot recently because I've done um, some NCT classes, which I'm going to talk about in a little while, um, is talking about how our bodies actually can do this. This is something that our bodies naturally can do and will do and we're built for this. So 
essentially something that I have been doing and sort of channeling I guess is the athlete's mindset and I think I might have mentioned this in passing before that when you repeat a skill or you know whatever it is in your sport the idea of repetition and practice is that you become better at it and then we do things more subconsciously so for example um charlotte's i know you're into running right now when you first start running when you haven't done it before or you've haven't done it for a long time your body takes a while to adapt right environmentally yes, like to the weather the temperature <laughs> the impact and it feels horrific yeah. just like any other exercise um but your body does adapt and so to me looking at labor like another physical challenge like if I was coming up to a new skill or something that my body struggles with or has never done before it doesn't mean that we can't do it our bodies are built for this our bodies are built for challenge and to change and and essentially go through labor it's the thing that we are built to do so fear around labor for me is something that seems really I don't know. It's not something that has ever bothered me because I'm looking at this as a process that my body one is built to do. So if 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 many other women can do it, then I'm going to be fine. But also mentally, I've put myself through some real physical and mental challenges in my life that my body has adapted to and I have got through and, you know, I, I live to tell the tale. So to me, labour is something, just another challenge that um, mentally I need to adapt to. But physically, our bodies are built for this. So if um, if you're worried about labour, I'm sure, Charlotte, you would agree. Um, try and, if especially if you are someone that's into exercise, try and look at labour. This is something that I would encourage. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, um, but try and look at labor as something that um is a challenge but something that our bodies are built for and if you look at things like that and also something that hypnobirthing teaches you which i haven't really spoken much about but the la- the labor is the process of you meeting your baby and every contraction or surge um <laughs> is one step closer to you meeting your baby so again trying to change all of these sort of negative connotations around labor that instill fear and pain and anxiety actually trying to spin them as more positive um, moments can really help settle those anxious times um and i don't know if i think we spoke briefly about hypnobirthing before um charlotte and you know any other things like that but in your experience of being at um you know a variety of different i think scenarios when it comes to births um what would you say are the most important things for a woman to consider seeing as it's right on my on my doorstep now (laughs) on your to-do list yeah Um, because this is something we spoke heavily about in the nct classes that i did so be interesting to hear your point of view on that um i think the main thing that i would say is to try and be open you when you put expectations on things, like mm-hmm. we, I think we've said it before, and they would have said it in NT, NCT, that you can't you can't plan birth. Birth right. is going to happen the way it's going to happen. Um, there are things that you can do to make your journey through birth 
potentially a bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if you go into it saying, I'm going to say no to any pain relief. Yeah. um, I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. You are essentially setting yourself up to fail. Kind of like what you just said about sport. Like if you treat it like it's a new sport, you don't go into a new sport saying, right, I'm going to run, but I'm not going to run on this path and I'm yeah, not yeah. going to run with these shoes on mm-hmm. um you're setting yourself up to fail yeah whereas I think if you're open about it yes everyone definitely has preferences um like some people have preferences that are like yep I want to go straight to an epidural like don't even don't even ask me the question as soon as I can have one I want one but then other women are like okay well I'm gonna start with no pain relief and mm-hmm. then maybe try water so have um a bath at home or if you're able to in the hospital have a water birth but not necessarily birth in the pool but use it for labor um and then try gas and air and sort of go up the scale yeah as it were mm-hmm. um that's absolutely fine but yeah I definitely think being open and if you go into it very very nervous I don't I don't necessarily think that it makes that much of a difference but I think it probably does inhibit your hormones yes and it it doesn't allow your hormones to work properly essentially you tend to find a lot of women that um especially first-time babies because you don't know what to expect you kind of go into labor and you're like oh is this it and then you make your way to the hospital with your baby carrier and everything um and then you get into hospital and all of a sudden everything stops yeah and we think that a lot of the time it is because you've come out of what your body deems to be your safe space mm-hmm. and is comfortable Absolutely. to give birth in yeah. to a place which is bright. There's people you don't know. You're now in a very vulnerable position because you've got a midwife that's saying, right, I need to do an examination now to see how mm-hmm. far along you are. Um, it's and in that medical, medical environment, exactly. which a lot of people find really, you know, creates a lot of anxiety. for people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hardly surprising that your body kind of goes, hold on a minute. I know, <laughs> not right now. Um, and actually we tend to, if there's obviously no outward sign that a lady is in active labour, then you will get sent home to just yes. relax a little bit at home, mm-hmm. um, see how it goes. Obviously, you're always more than welcome to come straight back in again, even if you get to the car and you go, nope, nope, don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there is sort of a, maybe she could be in labour, maybe she isn't, we do tend to give people a couple of hours just yeah. relaxing in a room, going for a walk around the hospital, that kind of thing, just to see if once the body's relaxed a little bit again, mm-hmm. um, if things do pick up. Sometimes they don't, like that's definitely possible but usually once you've settled down a little bit they do pick up again and it Mm -hmm. is all to do with the hormones yeah and that adrenaline and the cortisol and the fight and flight and Mm -hmm. your body not producing the oxytocin which is the happy hormone that we need for you to progress through labor to be specific I think when we talk about sport and hormones that help us get through those challenges, we often think about endorphins and adrenaline. Um, But in labour, something that is truly fascinating, thinking of hormones and exactly what you've just said, um, there's so much out there to read. So I would really encourage you to to kind of inform yourself about this. But oxytocin is um, the love hormone. Um, so it's something that we need a lot of in labour 
for our body to truly um, contract effectively and um, dilate effectively and all the things that we want to happen in labour. Adrenaline, which is normally something that we live for under under tra- challenge and something that we, we need to get through, you know, in terms of sporting, um, is something that we want to avoid completely um, because that can prevent oxytocin um, from doing its job. Endorphins are great because they're natural painkillers. So endorphins and adrenaline are very different and we definitely want endorphins, but we definitely don't want adrenaline. So when we are scared, anxious, hyped up, excited, adrenaline tends to be running riot. But in labour, we want to be relaxed. So that's why a lot of, I completely, yeah, again, this is stuff that we've all talked about in our classes in that a lot of women are sent away because even though they were in full flow um, regular contractions, as soon as they get to hospital, they stop. It's because mostly the adrenaline starts, the oxytocin reduces and they get freaked out. Um, So hormones are just such an important part of every part of this process of pregnancy of birth and then after birth when we're looking at milk production and we're not going to go into that now but you know I think people underestimate how perhaps their surroundings can influence the positivity or the process even even just taking that time away so if you when you get to the hospital if you get there in your car and your partner is with you even before you get out the car, just sort of looking at one another, holding your hands and being like, it's okay, having a kiss, yeah. having a cuddle, that kind of thing. Like after you've had your examination, just being close with your partner mm-hmm. is going to help produce that oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Yes, it might not produce the amount that you want it to because you're, like we've said, you're in labour, you're going to ha- have a baby and that kind of thing. But just those little intimate moments with your partner, even if you want to slap them in your face because it's their fault that you're here, (laughs) Um, it just sometimes helps, one, relax you because you're with with your person Mm. and two, helps that oxytocin thing get going a little bit more again. Completely. I'm not going to go, I could talk about it all day. I find it very fascinating. But um, ladies out there, if you are fortunate enough to get some amazing um, in-person antenatal classes through the NHS, do it. For me, the Zoom experience was informative, but not the same um, as being in same. a room. No, it's <laughs> not. Not not the same as being in a room of others going through the same thing. You can share the experience. You can leave and continue your relationship, um, which which I'm so fortunate enough that I'm I'm. I did the NC I've I've booked on to the private NCT classes because being in a room of seven other couples who are doing this for the first time it just alleviates so much anxiety because you're sharing that experience and then you're learning so much more and etc etc I won't go into it but I would truly recommend for anyone that can afford to to invest for me it was something that I know I'm going to continue to speak to these people um you know throughout throughout my parenting journey and hopefully have got some new friends that are going through it at the same time which I think is really important but I think something that I wanted to share with you guys today as well because as you guys know I'm totally open about this is what my intention or preferences are when it comes to my birth and the reasons for it um 
I want to start by saying this isn't the right way to do things. It's my personal preference and I've chosen to do this based on uh, what I've researched, what I've spoken to other people about. And as Charlotte, you just said, I'm totally open to this not being the way that it happens. Um, it's just my preference. Um, so just exactly as you just described, my perfect birth will be at home for as long as possible um, to relax and be in my own environment. Uh, potentially, Ollie, my partner, might be away at work. So spending as much time at home to allow him to return from London, um, which is about a two and a half hour journey. I've told him he's not allowed to, if he's here any quicker than that, then he's driven way too fast and I don't, I'm not happy <laughs> And he's got himself some speeding tickets. Yeah, uh, there's just no need. There's just no need. Um, so to just, exactly, be at home for as long as I can, go into hospital when I need to go in hospital so that I'm, you know, exactly as we just spoke about, maximising the relaxing and the, um, all of that nice stuff rather than any panic. Not that I'm worried by hospitals, I'm not at all. Um, but then essentially I would love, I would love to be in water. And this, um, and I would like just, I suppose to finish what I was saying, um, I would like to think that water, gas and air um, will be, enough for me but I'm not saying no to anything I'm open to other things if necessary or if I want them into you know all other types of pain relief that isn't through me being like a proud athlete that is just from my personal experience and what I wanted to relate to that completely was Reese I'm not really a bath person which might surprise you considering that I'm choosing a water birth however in my third trimester um, I'm still walking. I'm still very active. I'm still training a lot. I'm going to come on to in a little while as well. So, and now I have this very heavy baby inside of me. <laughs> I um, do experience intermittent back soreness. Now it's not pain. I wouldn't say it's pain. It's soreness. And the only relief that I feel I can get, apart from doing this weird stretch, which is essentially me bending over and leaning on a you know a worktop or something taking off all the weight from my spine which feels amazing um but I can't stay there all day right no. um <laughs> is water and I remember one day very specifically I think I must have had a bit of a growth spurt my back felt so sore like even just waking up in the morning or get going to the toilet uh, through the night and the only thing that stopped it from feeling sore was getting in the bath and and within half an hour of me getting out it started again so that to me was the this is why water is such amazing uh, you know is such an amazing place to be if you can and um, be when you are in labor because it really is a natural painkiller and I really couldn't I couldn't believe it um and it really changed my mindset about baths so I'm not saying I'm a daily bath person um I I can't help but think about the environment and the waste that I'm causing and that's ridiculous <laughs> I know but it really has changed my forever. mind no but also I think it's made me enjoy being in a bath so much more and before I used yeah. to just think that they were waste of time like I'm not just yeah. gonna sit 
and use up half an hour of my time sit doing nothing actually now I'm really enjoying that time and enjoying what how my body feels in the water being so much heavier than I ever have been that weightlessness is just so welcome so I'm really hopeful that um my local hospital which isn't very big they only have six birthing suites um which apparently on birth center and delivery suite or is there is no birth center there is only hereford hospital just the just the birthing yeah that's it um but i'm assured that it's very rare that they ever have more than three women in at a time um within it, it does sound lovely, doesn't it? And everyone that I know that has birthed there said how wonderful the experience is. So that's lovely to look forward to. Um, and within those six rooms, they have the capacity. They have one fixed bath and two um, portable. So oh, the okay. likelihood of me being able to have a water bath is pretty high. So that's really lovely. And I'm really looking forward to that experience. So, um, so they're my preferences, but I'm open, you know, if baby needs to come out, if, if, I'm suffering if it goes on for too long I'm exhausted like I'm not saying I'm cut off to everything um and this leads me on really nicely to some a conversation that I had with my midwife last time I saw her which was last week um so really brief visit nothing to, to nothing to report no measurements were fine all of my stats as always were spot on um and she said the next time I'm seeing her I'll be 40 plus five yeah so it's next week um so I will be overdue at that point but not by much like we're talking (laughs) days right yeah so one of the things that she said is when I next see you I can give you a sweep and she said it in a way that I really was appreciative actually and she didn't say I will give you a sweep or you 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 need to have one I'm very aware having done all my research and my courses and you know hypnobirthing NCT whatever that I don't need to accept anything. I don't have to have a sweep if I don't want to. I'm not saying that I'm not going to have one. And what I said to her was, let's just see how I feel. Because for me, I still don't think that I'm actually due until the end of that week. Um, So do I really need to have a sweep when I'm, by my dates, not actually overdue? I don't think so. But I'm I'm not saying I'm against it because I might get to next week and be like get this thing out of me (laughs) so I'm not against it so I what I wanted to ask you um today Charlotte was about what a sweep is because I know that uh, for a lot of women the un when somebody is offered something like this quite often women don't realize that they don't have to have it and for some women from what I know the experience of a sweep can be quite uncomfortable And for some women, it's absolutely fine. So just kind of like pregnancy, it's different for everybody. But what is a sweep and what is the purpose of a sweep? Um, So a sweep, it used to be called a stretch and sweep, but I think most people just refer to it as a sweep now. Um, So it's an examination, obviously, down below. And the midwife will go in, will find your cervix. When it's your first baby, sometimes the finding the cervix alone can be really, really uncomfortable. And really quite difficult if baby's head's come down quite low, but the cervix hasn't come forward. You almost need to reach up behind baby's head to pull that cervix forward. So just very quickly, I'm trying to picture this. Yeah. Is it very, (laughs) is it a similar setup to when you have a, um, what do you call it? What's the horrible thing? Yeah, there we go. (laughs) 
No. Um, yes and no. It's okay. not because we don't put in a speculum or anything like that. It's done with only two fingers. Wow. It's not, oh, gosh. No, yeah. <laughs> I was convinced there would be a speculum. Um, no, ladies, no speculum. You, if you haven't had a smear, then you definitely should have one. Not while you're pregnant, but you should definitely have one. But yeah, those speculum things are just weird. It's like a vice yeah. in your vagina. Yeah, it's just... they're, not, they're not nice <laughs> at all. Oh, God, so um, there's no speculum. I'm really no, surprised. No That's... speculum. Only, wow. only two fingers. <laughs> Jesus. Um, not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, once once the midwife has found the cervix, we try and if it's quite far back, we try and encourage it forwards a little bit. It sounds very strange because from someone that's as in I've obviously done them, when you've never done them, never felt them, and you're very unlikely to do one to someone, mm-hmm. I can obviously picture it in my head exactly what I'm doing. But yes. explaining it is, I don't. Do you get where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. I, okay. I'm, but I'm. I would say that I'm fairly informed about biology. Yeah. So, um, if if you're unsure, I think I'm sure there is a way of. I'm sure there is going to be some kind of diagram um, online yeah, somewhere. The, so, yeah. if you can't picture um, it, then go and have a Google. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So yeah, try and encourage the cervix forwards. Um, not necessarily all the way forwards, but forwards enough so that you can try and get a finger inside if you can get two fingers inside great um so once you've got a finger inside you try and you might need to try and encourage the cervix to open a little bit to be able to get a finger all the way through if you can if the midwife can get all the way through what they try and do is they try and separate the membrane which is the sac essentially that the baby's sat in with the water and everything Mm -hmm. away from the uterine wall it sounds mm-hmm. a lot more brutal than it is. It's not it's not as brutal as it sounds. It is it can be very, very uncomfortable for some women, mm-hmm. especially like you said, if you haven't had a smear test or something like that, mm-hmm. it's it's not a nice experience. Some people have no issues with it at all. No pain, no nothing. Um and yeah, so you try and separate the membranes from the uterine wall. And you can try and stretch the cervix open a little bit. The purpose of the sweep is to try and encourage the hormones, which bring on labour, basically. Mm. Um, they definitely serve a purpose. I, my personal opinions towards them, I'm very sort of, sometimes they're worth it, sometimes they're not. Yeah. I think sometimes they're definitely worth it because they can sort of get things going. But that's usually only if the body has started to do something itself yeah, already. Yeah, I could imagine. If you've mm. got a cervix that's really, really far back, is tightly closed, is rock solid, um, so it starts off feeling like the end of your nose. And then once it's nice and soft, it feels like your lip. So if you've got a cervix that is rock solid like the end of your nose, is two centimetres long, slammed shut, doing a sweep isn't really likely to do anything other mm-hmm. than cause discomfort yeah sure um but that being said it can be quite a good indicator for someone that thinks that they might be going into labor or yeah they kind of want to know what their body's doing mm-hmm. having a midwife just say yep it's really far back it's slammed shut it might be a while or actually oh it has started to make some progress it's come forwards a little bit it's a little bit soft that can be helpful but it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you're going into labor tomorrow 
So would yeah. So would you um, in your previous application of the sweep, I suppose, (laughs) would you continue with the whole process if if you really struggled to find someone's cervix, even if they felt it was uncomfortable? Would that be enough of an indicator for you to be like, look, there's just no point, or would you continue with the process? I would judge it case by case and I would see how the lady is coping with it. If the Mm. lady's coping really, really well, even though I've struggled to get to it, I would say I can continue. Yeah. But if you can see that a lady's really, really not coping Mm. and by doing it, you're not actually going to do much. I personally wouldn't continue. I would say, look, I'm not going to continue with this. If they turn around and was like, please do it, please do it and beg to me, then obviously I would. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I think it's it's very case by case basis. Sure, I would sure. Say. I think again, this comes down to the individual midwife, and we're so lucky to have you. And I mean, if I had you as my midwife, I would be like, I am so lucky. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Ah, uh, <laughs> if I wasn't I mean, quite so far away. It's quite or, so far away, or, yeah, or not or practicing. Employed, <laughs> not, not employed by the by the trust. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's like in films where you can be like, "Yep, you get privileges." but it's it's one of those things isn't it it's going to be different for each woman and it's going to be subjective to each midwife and the process that they choose to go through so you might be really lucky and have a midwife just like charlotte who is like right let's let's kind of do this and see how we are rather than i'm going whole hog regardless of what cervix i come up against (laughs) um so I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll see. But yeah, like I say, I think the most important thing for me is that I make a choice based on um, how I'm feeling on the day. And actually knowing what you've said um, potentially is something that I might put to her. She probably won't like it um, <laughs> that I've spoken to a friend that is a midwife and she has said, you know, if things are really high up and solid then we don't really need to continue but you know I might say that to her and and see her reaction because her reaction might be that's that's ridiculous we need to do it or you know um we just either do it or we don't um I don't know but um I'm just going to wait and see how I feel next week Uh, but I'm not in any rush and I think that's the main thing here I'm not saying that I'm not uncomfortable um I feel ginormous I have days where I have lots of energy and I want to do lots of activity. And then I have days where I don't want to move off the sofa because it's more comfortable or my back's a bit sore. I just feel tired. But I am also a firm believer of letting my body try and do this because we're built for this, right? Um, As long as my baby is happy and healthy, which so far everything is fine, then there is no rush in my opinion. Unless things dramatically change, that changes things but yeah we'll just see what happens but I'm not against it um at all so let's move on to training because this has really changed for me in the last couple of weeks not in practice so not necessarily the things that I'm doing but frequency has really changed since I hit 38 weeks I became this surrendering pregnant woman to the fact that I'm suddenly much more tired and I wasn't expecting to be I just see myself as this like fully capable warrior that can get through anything and realizing that I'm actually so much more tired and I knew need to rest more and work needs to stop and all of these things 
Um, so what came with that is uh, instead of training pretty much religiously four times a week because I want to, that's now become more three times a week. Okay, it's not a huge amount of change, but as well, which is something that has changed is the amount of time that I'm training. I definitely... I suppose the majority of my workout now is my warm up. So it's just me moving, stretching, mobilizing. Um, and then whatever comes after that is kind of just how my body is feeling. So a lot of my sessions now, I'm fortunate enough to be part of a gym that has two parts. I would say there is a room which is more dedicated to functional fitness and CrossFit and has that capability and equipment. And another room, which is more of a traditional strength um, resistance based gym, which has a lot of machines and free weights and that kind of thing. So um, my frequency of more of a, I suppose, functional fitness workout has definitely reduced. Um, and I'm definitely doing more what the CrossFit community call accessory work and isolation. Um, but what I'm really focused on in the last couple of weeks is just moving and how it makes me feel so much better in my head. And actually, it's the only thing at the currently still in pregnancy that I do that is just for me. And that is my biggest motivator to continue to train. In practice, the exercises that I'm doing haven't really changed. I'm um, still using kettlebells. Dumbbells are my main forms of CrossFit resistance. I do quite a bit of body weight work. I use the bands as well. I love, really enjoy using the bands for resistance. Um, my main source of um, output in terms of intensity is the watt bike. We don't have a bike erg at the gym that I go to, um, which I find it really comfortable. I set it up so that I don't lean forward too much, which I'm, otherwise I would be sitting with my knees wide, which wouldn't be very clever for for cycling like that it would look a bit strange and also not great for my knees but yeah I'm I'm still when I go it's because I want to and I feel energized too um and when I wake up like I did this morning with the possibility that I might go and actually feeling like my back was a little bit sore from the training I did yesterday and all the walking that I did nope I'm gonna have a restful first hour of my day and then take my dog for a a nice walk instead of doing both and so yeah I'm really accepting of that um something that I think is really important to talk about though at this point and I'm sure you will agree Charlotte uh, to whatever capacity is pelvic floor um and I know this is something that we should be thinking about before pregnancy throughout pregnancy and then immediately um after birth and postpartum but the sensation of doing them has definitely changed as clearly the baby is heavier. There is a lot more pressure, um, but it's something that I'm still really conscious of doing and something that I wanted to bring up that I have also been using that I would recommend. And this is not something in relation to training. Well, it kind of is. I'm seeing it as that <laughs> um, is I'm using a device called an Anibal. I don't know if you've heard of them, Charlotte. No. Um, they are essentially a balloon type device yeah. that your training your um birth canal and your vagina and your pelvic floor muscles to expand specifically more importantly the bit that would tear which is um between well what's it called the muscle that tears the perineum the perineum right yeah. so this is the most common area that would tear um in birth and it's just because it's not used to 
stretching or it's particularly tight or whatever. So this device um, actually mimics um, and, it, and you can blow it up. So the idea of it is you start with it being really small and you learn how to expel it slowly um, because the tear usually happens when the baby comes out really, really quickly. And so the muscle hasn't had a chance to relax and and um, warm up or whatever. So, yeah, this particular device, you train with you, you basically you train with it every day and you're le- teaching the muscle to relax and stretch and you're learning how to expel slowly so that you're preventing tears now apparently um the stats say 80 percent of women first time mums especially because it's more common to tear in your first pregnancy apparently do not have any tearing whatsoever if they've used Annabelle, which was a reason for me to that buy it. Incredible. <laughs> um, it's really weird. It's I'm not saying that it's fun because <laughs> it's <laughs> ladies. It's not like pleasuring. It's nothing. There is nothing pleasurable about it. It's practical. There is a process. There are exercises, um, and there are you know when you're essentially trying to increase the capacity of this balloon it does feel really weird like why would it feel normal it doesn't feel comfortable but I would really recommend that everybody look it up because I found it also to be a mental preparation of what things might feel like um I'm not saying it It sounds amazing honestly yeah I'm not amazing I'm not saying that it's preparing me for labor because I'm not experiencing any of the contractions or a baby coming out of me but the feeling of something round and large <laughs> and large <laughs> expelling um <laughs> from down there I'm sorry if this is way too much information but I have found just the experience of what it might feel like to be really empowering and and sort of again just made me feel even more relaxed about birth the fact that I've semi felt it if that makes sense yeah um and I'm also looking at it as a tick in a box in for training I'm doing it and um, they recommend you can do it every day you can do it every other day um so yeah I think it's something to definitely look so into do you like pop it in and blow it up basically or yeah like basically with a hand so hand there is type thing if you google Annabelle so it's a-N-I-B-A-L-L. There are other pelvic floor trainers available, but this is the one that I've, I did lots of research around them um, that uses this, this particular it system. Nice. It does. It looks quite pretty <laughs> and pink. So essentially there is a pump connected to a tube, which connects to um, a balloon type um, device. It's all made out of like rubber medical grade silicon. And... Um, you can release the air or pump the air. And essentially what they say is that you're meant to pump the balloon no bigger than 10 pumps, which is equivalent of around 10 centimetres dilated or, or in, you know, for whatever reason. Um, And when you start, they say you shouldn't start at no bigger than five and you're essentially working up. um, You don't want to rush it. It's all about preparing your body for it and learning how to expel it using your pelvic floor. So my pelvic floor um, exercises have changed quite a lot in that instead of doing sort of short, sharp and slow and long breathing and contraction holding and all of that kind of thing, I'm now utilising this device to work my pelvic floor and it's been really amazing and something that I'm also going to do is you can use it postpartum 
to um, also train and strengthen your pelvic floor after you've had the baby in touch exactly exactly (laughs) so yeah really worth checking out if you've never heard of it think it's awesome um so I'm actually thinking of that as a bit of training too because I'm still working on muscle right yeah 100% (laughs) so yeah have you looked into um perineal massage at all yes I have and I'll be completely honest with you I um up until last week I had a (laughs) I had my own little um, treat to myself, which was to have super long nails throughout pregnancy. Um, <laughs> and when I first looked into her, um, massage, I couldn't do it because I had these like super long yeah, nails. I, no, definitely. And you don't want to have long nails and be no, massaging your perineum. <laughs> I tried it, didn't work. You can get perineal massage devices, but nah, not into that. Can you? Um, you can and actually something that I've because I'm you know as we all know I'm a bit of a um study geek and I like to read scientific studies and stuff actually there are if you look on the Annabelle website there have been specific studies done around these devices not just Annabelle but other similar products and the results of using these devices compared to perineal massage they are so much greater. Doing them in combination, I'm sure, is great yeah. as well. That was that was more my thought. Doing them right. at the same time as yeah, yeah, stretching yeah, yeah. the muscle. Sure, doing them together, great. That's not going to be any harm. But doing them one or the other, the the, the yeah. device is is seen as scientifically proven. Um, but yes, but only since last week have I had all my nails cut down and and manicured so that I'm not going to scratch a baby so um I haven't even thought about it because I've been so in tune with my device I haven't even thought about (laughs) perineal perineal massage but anyway I'm not saying I'm against it I think it's great um if you've tried it or you don't know what I'm talking about YouTube it there's loads (laughs) of information um so I wanted to really touch quickly last time we had Charlotte on I asked a question and and when I say quickly, I'm literally going to put something in the notes. So if you guys want to read more specifically about it, I was talking about immunity across pregnancy and if it changes. So i.e. are we more prone to getting unwell? And I think something that you said, Charlotte, is remind me is when we're pregnant, we are more prone to picking things up. Is that something that you said or have I made that up? Yes. No, that is that is correct. Okay, so something that I found really interesting is there isn't, as we know, there isn't like a ton of studies around pregnant women, and understandably so. So I read a couple of studies, and there's a couple of bits of information that I wanted to share. So the first bit is the risk and severity of specific infections are increased during pregnancy due to a combination of physiological and immunological changes. Now, what that means is that isn't saying that pregnancy is causing um, a lower in the immune system. It's actually saying that the the changes that we go through physiologically, i.e. the changes that our body goes through, growing a bump and um, changing your cervix size and all those things, are the main cause of the immune system changing um so I found that really interesting and um the other main the main the main finding of these studies was the reason that the maternal immune system 
changes is to protect the mother and her future baby from pathogens whilst avoiding detrimental immune responses against the allergenic fetus. So that basically means that we don't want to attack the fetus with our normal, um, you know, attacking cells. We want to protect it. So that's another reason that our immune system changes. But something that was very unspecific was across trimesters was there any real changes and it all came down to hormonal physiological changes so yes there are adaptations to our immune system and it is going to be different in each trimester that be be it because of the the continuous change to our bodies and the continuous change to our hormones um but there is very there is no other specific study that says what the causes of those are, you know, which hormone or which physiological change causes the immunal changes. So, yeah, I found that quite interesting and I just wanted to touch on it, really. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. It's nice to see a little bit of research, but, yeah, there's definitely not not much out there and not much reasoning why certain Mm -hmm. things happen. But, obviously, your immune system adapting so that you don't essentially fight off your exactly fetus. yeah it com- completely makes sense yeah um but then suggesting that actually although there's immune changes but you're not technically more susceptible to things other mm-hmm. than certain infections it's just very it's very interesting yeah it's a very interesting it is. area and again most of, i think all the studies that i did look at which weren't very many finished by saying more research needs to be done on this field or in this area <laughs> so yeah it's still quite an unspecific but but yeah still interesting much the same and something that I kind of went on a personal tangent about again more related to thinking about my postnatal journey with my baby um and being excited about hopefully being able to um experience breastfeeding again I'm not here to put my opinion on anyone or judge anyone or anything like that um, I am hoping that I'm going to be able to breastfeed for a variety of reasons, not just um, because I think it's the best. I'm not saying that at all. Um, so something that I thought I would just do a little research around was breastfeeding and exercise. And if there was any corresponding research that showed that doing one with the other was bad or good for the mother, for the baby. And have you got anything that would come to mind, Charlotte, that you could think of around breastfeeding and exercise? I feel like everyone's automatic answer is going to be the standard, oh, you shouldn't do that because for whatever reason it's mm-hmm. going to stop your milk supply or something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's response to oh, no, is don't do that. Yeah. Um, but no, I was just having a read of one of the articles that you sent over Um about does exercise affect your milk supply and it's quite interesting actually because there are definitely aspects of exercise that could slightly impact your milk supply so being dehydrated obviously Mm -hmm. naturally if you're exercising however people that exercise tend to drink a lot more water in general so it kind of counteracts each other but it goes on to say about the hormones then actually I wouldn't have thought of the hormone benefits of exercising and breastfeeding because again it produces the oxytocin Mm -hmm. which encourages um milk supply Mm -hmm. and improving your mood and everything like that so actually I can 100% see why 
exercising would be beneficial to breastfeeding and postnatally in general? Absolutely. I think the main thing is, again, there is no research specifically around breastfeeding (laughs) and variety of intensities of exercise. We're just talking very generally here. Um, But yeah, what, what essentially I was looking for was the reassurance that I was pretty confident that there would not be a any grounds to say you should not exercise if you're breastfeeding because x um but yeah the main i think fairly obviously the if you are breastfeeding this is where your baby gets everything from nutrients fluid um it's their food it's their water it's their hydration so of course if you are not feeding yourself well Um, and you are not hydrating yourself well, then that is going to influence your, um, I suppose, whether it's the amount. Whether you exercise or not. Absolutely. Even if you don't exercise, people will have a baby and they instantly go, oh, well, I need to lose the baby weight so I can't eat X, Y, and Z. Actually, especially if you're breastfeeding, you burn more calories and you use up more water. So you do need to, after you've had that baby, have, have a treat to yourself. Have the slice of cake. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good uh, for you. You need and that energy in you. I absolutely agree. I would be lying if one of the reasons, I'm not saying, again, I can't say this enough, I'm not saying it's the the only reason, the sole reason, the main reason. It's not at all. It's what, There are so many reasons why I'm, I would like to breastfeed. But one of the reasons is definitely because it helps you to lose weight. And I think that that's... Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that, that it's going to, you know, you're essentially, you need, you'll be burning more calories, um, for me is an, another tick in a box as to why I would choose to breastfeed. It so helps your uterus clamp down quicker as well. Mm-hmm. I, there's so many positives. Again, <laughs> we're not here to talk about breastfeeding today, no. but, um, but yeah, I just thought that was really a, a nice important thing to mention because it's something that I'm thinking about a lot being so close to having baby now um in hope that I can breastfeed and wanted to just reassure myself that it wasn't something that would be affected if I chose and when I choose to go back to exercise when my body allows but anyway um I hope that our usual off tangent chat has been (laughs) (laughs) has been welcomed by all of you lovely listeners as always and something that I just wanted to touch on um is I have got um a few messages and emails from some of you listeners saying um expressing your thanks for the podcast and how it has you found it perhaps early on in your pregnancies or you found it to be really useful and reassuring and that's exactly why we're here we're here to I'm I'm not a scientist I'm not a doctor we have a midwife uh, you know a trained midwife in Charlotte that comes on and shares her experience and opinions and knowledge but we're here to do the research for you and hopefully reassure you that um you can continue to do the things that you love um, without concern that it's going to affect you and your baby in any to any detriment. So please do continue to get in touch, guys. It's so nice to hear from you and to hear that what I set out to do with this podcast is exactly what it's doing, to reassure, to inform. So thank you for getting in touch. Thank you for sharing. And it doesn't just need to be 
a thank you that you're coming to to me for you know whatever you want to talk about if you've got something that you want to ask Charlotte if you've got something you want to ask me if you want to share an experience I'd love to hear it as well I'm learning I'm this is all new to me and I'm sure Charlotte would feel very much the same so yeah of course absolutely so look guys you can get in touch in all the normal places I'll put this stuff in the episode notes but to direct to me is best by email info at mishapt.com otherwise all the socials are in the episode notes but I think the final thing that I wanted to say is being so close to my due date next week in my eyes um (laughs) I'm feeling so grateful to have this as part of my journey I have spoken to so many amazing empowering inspirational women that have either been through it that have experienced some really tough moments being a woman and you know to to I feel so privileged to talk to you Charlotte to talk to all of these amazingly strong women um And I've learned so much, not just for myself, but going forward, I'm hoping that it will continue to empower me. And something that I keep getting asked is, yes, it's called CrossFit versus pregnancy, but no, that does not mean when I'm not pregnant anymore that these won't continue. They will continue. Um, I still have the fourth trimester to go through, which is I have a baby. (laughs) So there's going to be so much more to talk about and a postpartum recovery and journey is still something that I'm sure so many of you will be interested in um, as a comparative or as a reassurance. So um, I'm not going anywhere. However, something that I am going to say is I'm not sure when the next episode will be. (laughs) If I'm going out of my mind and um, I manage to book in a couple more guests or, you know, speak to Charlotte again, then yeah, there might be one before the baby arrives. But my guess is now that this might be the last episode that you hear from me for a little while. And the next time that you hear from me, hopefully I will have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) After all this time, I feel like I've been (laughs) pregnant for. So Charlotte, I just again want to say, I hope this isn't the end of our um, podcasting journey. I'm hoping that you're going to be a part of the postpartum. Amazing. But thank you so much for being a part of it so far. 22 episodes in. I'm just grateful that you agreed to come and have a ramble with me every couple of weeks. So thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Happy to be here. Oh, and by the way, um, a couple of the ladies that have messaged me have said that they love you very much too. So (laughs) it's not so lovely to hear. It's not just all about the podcast; it's about us as well. So yeah, thank you so much. Please do continue to get in touch and. And of course, you know, if you've had your babies um, or, you know, you're due soon, you know, just send me a message and let me know how it's going because I'm soon going to be that person. Um, And something that I also want to finish with is to say a huge congratulations to Zoe Wright. We were due a day apart. You might remember a couple of months ago, Zoe has Crohn's disease and we talked about her fitness journey and all of those things um she had her little boy last week 
um, oh, through yeah through a planned cesarean because of her medical history. She had a cesarean. Um, so congratulations to Zoe and her husband Joel on their arrival of baby Oakley. I've seen some pictures. He is just perfect, and they are in a lovely little baby bubble. Um, so welcome to the world, and I'm so excited to be able to share that moment with you guys hopefully pretty soon thank you so much for listening and i'll be back soon take care guys bye